Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. All right. Well, you said let's start it off. Let's start it off. We got a little weekend edition with uh, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. I was about to say Coffee with Cage. We haven't done one of those in a few weeks, but we'll, we'll <laughs> definitely bring it back very soon. Yeah, don't you think people, people don't have any questions? You have so much content out there on, on the Instagram that people don't have any questions. They're just people are they're asking. already engaged. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to let them do individual like you know cardboard with cage is gonna be coffee with cage. Anybody anybody who wants they can just ask me a question. I'll do an individual coffee with cage one minute. Go for it, shoot it because you know the team's busy. The team's doing lots of stuff. They don't want to do a preparation. They don't want to do the work for a coffee with cage. So a lot goes into it. I talk a lot, so a lot of prep that goes into it. <laughs> okay, we haven't talked about Top Shot in a minute. And I don't know if you saw what they did, but it's something that we've been talking about for a little while. They need to incentivize collectors, right? For a long time, the hobby uh, on Top Shot was just flippers. You know, you'd get a pack, you wouldn't even second guess it. You'd go and sell it right back into the marketplace. With these kind of, and I haven't read too much about it. I don't know if you have. If not, we could table this and talk about it tomorrow. But yep. they've released these collector uh this collector score which is kind of cool right and different premium packs would now be available to different collectors using that collector score and i think it's really exciting it's it's cool to me that top shot you know they ran into a lot of success a lot unprecedented and instead of just riding that success they saw where their gaps were by listening to the community and they've kind of taken a step back now and i feel like they're working a little bit on the infrastructure of uh kind of what the future product looks like yeah, well, I mean, listen, they had a bowler score for a while, and they changed it to a collector score. I mean, it's not perfect, and they will tweak it, which is, you know, the only thing that I guess they'll promise, right? It's, you know, if they give points for things like, you know, you completed a challenge, or you opened a pack, or you have done this for this long, you know, it almost, I can see people complaining, like, look, I would have bought a more expensive pack. Like, I'd have more points. I just couldn't get one. You know, I've only been in this for a month or two, and I would have bought a pack, just, you know, I wasn't able to. Or I would have done X, Y, and Z that would have gotten my score a little higher. Um, you know, it definitely is rewarding the folks who are out there, you know, for a little while longer um, and have been actually collecting. But, yeah, I mean, you see how they do it. You know, they, they, they clearly are attempting to um, get rid of those multi-account, you know, like people who have a, a second account that just haven't done anything but stay in line for, you know, get in a queue and get a pack. You know what I mean? No collections, no moments. You know, you can see that that's what they did. So, like, buying packs, like, you had to have you know, own stuff for a certain amount of time, own a certain number of moments, like, you know, they're putting in, you know, restrictions like that. That's important. Um, and, you know, they're continuing to go forward with stuff like that. So um, I like it. You know, Top Shot, I'll tell you, it's scary um, because let's, let's put it this way, Dogecoin, right, which I don't own, but it has been the talk of the world, right? Elon Musk hosted Saturday Night Live last night and you know, the thing shot up to like 70 cents and it was like as low as like 48 cents. I don't know where the hell it sits right now, but, you know, it's on a wild ride. But I read something today that approximately uh, 10% or so is owned by one person. Like one account, one wallet owns like 10% of, of all the Doge that's out there. Then like something like a third is owned by the top like 13 wallets, like another 12 on top of that on the top third. And then if you if you stretch it out to 100 wallets, so just 100 total people, they own two-thirds, 66% of all circulating Dogecoin. It's controlled by 100 people. 
that's a scary, scary thought because I'm sure all those hundred people probably all know each other. <laughs> they probably all are like, you know, they'd be like the Doge insider cartel, right? And if those people decide, all right, this thing that we bought for, you know, an 18th of a penny, we can all get out now at 60 cents. Well, then the common man, your dentist, the people who are watching and buying Dogecoin, you know, because Elon Musk went on, uh, went on Saturday Night Live, that third is going to get crushed under the weight of the two thirds, right? That's just the way the world works, right? So you may think everybody's buying, everybody's talking, but the everybody you're talking about are the loud one third, the people that are the minority. So Top Shot, I noticed there's one account dingling. Yeah, dingling. I said dingling TS. He's even now trumped the account that Pranksy, because Pranksy made a 300 Ethereum sale to this guy, dingling. So you can look at he's on Twitter, dingling TS. He contacted me on Discord uh, to ask if I still had any sealed packs to sell them. Um, but obviously I don't because I can't. That, train is, that, tra- yeah. that train's long gone. <laughs> that, that has left the state. That, that was actually pretty cool because we did a Zoom with Luca Nation fans. Uh, yep. And we opened a lot of Series 1 packs with them. So that was pretty cool, Cage. Yeah, I mean, it's fun stuff. But that guy now owns, like, I, I don't know, like 20% or so of the, of the number one serials. You should reach out to him because I know you have a serial number one that he doesn't own. So you should reach out to him, send him a message. But the point there is, you know, what the, the scary part on Top Shot is it, if, if one, two, or ten accounts own so much of it, I mean, I guess you could say that's good because these are collectors who aren't going to be dumping it into the market. But it's also one of those things where, like, you know, we're all on evaluate market. You're all on there. You can see, like, you know, the top hundred or the top thousand accounts out of the half a billion accounts that are out there own, like, two-thirds of the market. You know, they own two-thirds of the value of it. It's just a, it's a scary thing when so much of the value is controlled by so little in anything. So that's my, 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 what's called my cautionary tale on Top Shot. And I'll go another way. I wasn't planning on doing this today because people don't love talking about Top Shot, but I might as well just throw it out there. I don't care. Um, my Top Shot account, you know, if anybody looked at it, it's obviously less than it was at its peak. Um, and part of that is that the value has gone down. I have finally been able to get money out in withdrawals, where I finally now, now as of this past week, have more money out than I put in. For the first time, congratulations. That will, of course, change. Um, one of the one of the things about Top Shot that I, I, I let's just say I didn't love is everybody values their account based on like you know evaluate that market or moment ranks and that kind of stuff. And and those are they're based on not actual sales, right? They're based on floors. They're based on like what you would have to pay for it. That's like saying my car collection is worth what I put it up on eBay for as a buy it now. The lowest, if I were to value my entire collection as the lowest, buy it now on eBay. We all should know, anybody who has any understanding in this, that's not the way things are valued. That's not the way the world works, right? So, um, you know, people who've been following this for a while, remember when when, the, when, I, when I completed the Series 1 set, people were talking about how much it was how much it was valued at the time. It's significantly less now. Um, but, you know, people were like, oh, you should sell it. And, you know, Ken Golden and Golden Auctions were messaging us on Twitter. And I said, all right, let's, you know, you want to sell this set. Let's see what it's really worth. Because isn't that a way of really knowing what these things are worth? Like in an actual auction, off their marketplace, you know, you know, someone's going to have to pay for it in either crypto that Golden now takes or real money, not in Dapper that's stuck in their universe and whatnot. Um, so I sent over, just so everybody knows this now, I sent over a bunch of moments to Golden Auctions and their May 22nd auction end date has a bunch of Top Shot moments in it that are mine. Now... If I had the money, I'd be buying the Honus Wagner instead of my Top Shot moments. I'd be buying, you know, <laughs> you know, one of the countless Michael Jordan, you know, rookie cards or whatever it is that, that come up in golden auctions. But 
there's a ton out there and there's probably some bargains, you know, like the Kevin Durant, you know, run it back moment that I think is almost $20,000. It doesn't even have an initial bid yet at 2,500. So it's, it's going to be informative guys, because here we were talking about how, look, these accounts, they're worth this, they're worth that. They're worth so much money. The, the series one set of 287 moments is worth so much. The LeBron itself is worth 22,000. Okay. Well, the LeBron is one moment out of 22,000 that's set right now. The high bid is the first bid. $10,000. Right now, you could be the high bidder if you beat somebody's $10,000 bid on that. So it's going to be interesting, right, to watch over the next two weeks to see what the Top Shot moments are really worth as they come out on other auctions. I know Heritage has done some auctions. Um, you know, so I think it's actually pretty important because right now we've just gotten quote unquote values in their closed universe and values based on floors, you know, what the cheapest ones are. So I wasn't planning on, you know, doing a whole bit about this but i'm not hide. you know i don't hide anything you guys will see how much i paid for them you guys will see how much i get for them i mean it's it's all out there that's one of the one of the things andrew loves about crypto you can't hide right so you know it's there you guys will see you know my stories and what's fun about that is you know i wish i i wish i guess i would have you know sold them sooner because you know then somebody could accuse me of a pump and dump or something like that i'm i'm selling them at their low you know i mean that series one set was over three hundred thousand dollars at one point in february now it's like sitting at like 115 or something like that as a floor value so you know i really wish i would have uh quote unquote pumped i don't obviously you guys know that better than anybody else but so the, the, you know it'll be fun for us luca nation to watch that process as it plays out pretty candid that's pretty candid and honest. Um, let's go this route then. I think this, because this show is meant to help people. And I think what you just described there helps people. I, I think they could learn from that. Um, have you ever been on Tilt Cage? Oh, yeah. I definitely have. But I mean, I'll preface this. I'll explain why. So yeah. I've had five, six NBA bets that have come down to the wire, but the teams were actually leading by 10, 20 points. My, the final, you know, the bow on top of it was the Denver Nuggets yesterday was a, a nice play I thought I had. They, and they're they all going against me. They look and, good for a while. And I confided in you, and you had some great – I don't even know if it was advice. It was kind of an insight that you used to help yourself uh, well, avoid to, such things. To ask until – I mean, I think what drives a lot of this community, what, what, what kind of links a lot of us together is um, – and this is not everybody, so don't take it the wrong way. There is a gambling gene. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't care if anybody tells me that there isn't. You know, breaking boxes, ripping packs – you know, doing breaks, even even buying raw cards and sending them the PSA and crossing your fingers and sitting and waiting for that big reveal, top shot, cracking a pack open and opening it up and hoping for a LeBron, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's, a, there's an element of gambling to that, right? So I think it's, a lot it, of Gambling is just risk reward, by the way. It's just yeah. an element of low. We like the risk, the thrill of risk is basically what you're saying. Because speculation is a thrill of risk, too. And so going on tilt, if you ask me whether or not I've had a bad Saturday in college football and have let it all ride to double down, double or nothing on the Hawaii game late at night, sure. You know, I mean, that's 100 percent. 100 percent. That's happened. You know, have I have I lost way too much on on Sunday You know, football where I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm making it all back on the Sunday night game. 100 percent. You know, and I'll tell you, though, I haven't done that. And, you know, we'll go one step further, you know, casinos. You know, I will 100% be that guy that just doubles down, then quadruples down, and then just says one of them's going to hit. Dude, I, I listen, I'll play blackjack, but I, I'll tell you, I'm like, I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to gambling. So instead of black, instead of blackjack, if I'm not killing on blackjack, um, I'll just go to slot machine. I don't care. I'll go to like, we're, we're, you know, they're, they're like high roller slot machines and just start putting, you know, $5 to spend, $10 to spend. The $5 wheel of fortune machine, I like it. It's like blinking. It makes a lot of noise as it takes my money. 
but I'll just keep feeding it. I definitely have been on tilt in many, many uh, casinos. But I, I remember a couple of years ago leaving one and saying, and it was right around the time that I started doing sports cards, right? And I was like, all right, I'm doing both, you name it. And I had just, you know, I, I think I did like the Clay Thompson play, and, you know, I bought the cards for 10 to $15 raw and turned them in, you know, PSA and made them, you know, $80 a card. Of course, that's, I shouldn't have sold them, but it is what it is. I made money on it. And I remember leaving uh, casino to drive home and saying to myself, that's it. If I want to gamble now, I'm going to gamble on sports cards. I'm going to, I'm going to pick a guy. I'm going to gamble up on a player. I'm going to pick a Devontae Graham. I'm going to pick a De'Aaron Fox. I'm going to pick one of these guys by raw grade, you know, send them in, grade them, try to sell them that way and hope the guy's game improves, hope the card value improves. Um, I haven't gone on tilt since, obviously. I haven't even gambled since, to be honest. I, you know, I don't even do fantasy, you know, sports um because to me um you can get an edge here you know you watch the games you pick a player and you know you you, you uh you know i think you give yourself a better edge than you'd have uh, you know against the house in any gambling in any game of chance in a casino or um win sports betting man you know like you think you can educate yourself on that but these guys know what they're doing you know there's a reason why you know, the spread is four and a half and the game ends at five. You know, there's a reason why the spread is, you know, three and a half and it's a field goal to win it at the end every single time. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it, it, they know what they're doing. So it's better to be the person who knows what they're doing, which is me and cards. So, you know, yes, I have been on tilt, but I, I think this is a better way of doing it. I haven't gone on tilt on cards yet, though. You know, maybe Kyle, maybe Kyle, I actually, I'm not going to say that. That's not true. I mean, you've seen me in, in groups where it's just like, okay, guys, give me an hour and check what the floor price of, of a Pete Alonzo is. And then everybody's looking and it's like, it was 40 and now it's 70. Yeah, that's because I went on Tilt and literally bought every single one that was on eBay. <laughs> so I guess I guess the gene is still but, there. But right? at least you're holding an asset still, right? At least it, it, could be a, it could have gone down even 50%, but you're still holding something, yes. not a losing that ticket is... or machine blinking that you lost that. That is one of the bigger differences, right? That is one of the bigger differences. It definitely is. So, but yeah. So, so I've, I've watched a lot of NBA this year. And I think I think it's important to separate the players, especially the modern players that we like to speculate on, the modern young guys, into two categories. And I think there's one guy that kind of is head and shoulders above the rest based on this criteria. Uh, so when things are going well, good players can get you wins, Right. Tatum, Zion, Ja, uh, Trey, uh, even Lamelo, Halliburton, Edwards. When things are going well, when your shots are falling, when your teammate shots are falling, when you guys are clicking, good players could elevate that, right? They could, they could, they could help you win games, even on bad teams. Yep. But I think there's one guy, and there's only been one guy, who's faced adversity throughout the year who's been able to put his team on his shoulders and win games when things are good and when things are bad. Okay? <laughs> People are going to really not be happy with the post that we did uh, on LeBron. But my, my point was, and if you guys could do this little Google search, go to Google and say, what do, why don't teammates want to play with LeBron? And I know Google always returns what you're looking for. I understand that. But like, there's, there's plenty of people speaking out about how when you go play with LeBron, it's about LeBron. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so irrelevant. Thanks for taking me out on there. Do your own. I think I was being objective on that tape, but. So is it like Bugs Bunny? Is, 
is Bugs Bunny saying, you know what, when we filmed Space Jam, like it was horrible playing with him. Is it like, or the real NBA players that you can find from Google? Well, I mean, Kyrie took shots at him, but everyone takes shots. Kevin Love wasn't always happy. Um, I would say more, it's not even the silence of people who've played with him. I, I would say more, the silence speaks more because if LeBron takes a lot of heat, why haven't other players come out and be like, yo, I loved playing with LeBron? It was a blast. He was one of my favorite teammates. Now, I don't think a single guy has come out and said that about him. And then you hear other guys come out and say, it's not that fun playing with him. It's all about him. Uh, so do your own research. But anyway, you're taking me off the topic. Because <laughs> my point was Luca. Luca was able to get wins for this Mavs team when things were going really poorly. Kristoff was in one game, out one game. Half their team had COVID. All this stuff was going on. That's, a, that's not a very talented team in general. And he's able to get them to six seed. So Luca, to me, is someone who could get you wins when things are bad. And he still has the potential upside of all of these guys. You look at Tatum. Tatum can't carry the team. That's what we've seen from the Celtics. He can't carry this team. Uh, so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, the modern market got beat up. People are trying to find a place to buy in, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I'm buying back into the modern market, I'm only buying back into the main guy. Only buying into the main guy. Because I, like I that, still have I, all I of like the it. risk. Because I still have all the uh, all the risk that I would be buying with a jaw or a tray and all that stuff. And I'm getting the best guy at a discount. And that's what I'm seeing with Luca cards here. Like to me, he's just head and shoulders above the rest based on the criteria I presented. I know Trey has a ton of upside too, but I'm seeing a beaten down Luca market that you could get, you know, 60, 65, 70%, even 50% on the dollar what it was just a little bit ago. And in my mind, he's really solidified himself as this guy gets me W's and I don't have a good team around me. And if I could put a few other pieces around him, is this a one, two or three seed in the next two years? I think so. I think they're just maybe one or two players away. Uh, so I, I'm excited. And I would be buying Luca because one, you have playoffs coming up. So you have the short term opportunity. But even if all of that goes to poop, to shit, uh, I know we don't want to curse, but I got it. I don't want to say poop. You got <laughs> You got all the upside long term too. Yeah, you're buying and you're buying a blue chip guy. I mean, he's already done it, right? It's not a prospect. It's not full bowl. You know, there's 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 downside with Luca, sure, but the downside is already kind of baked in because his card's down fifty percent from the ties. You know, if you're talking about just like a prism base, you know, PSA ten. Um, yeah, I mean, the strategy of buying the the blue chip guy, buying the best guy with still potential significant upside, I like it. Mm. I'm looking at it actually slightly different from um, from a more NBA perspective. So what happens after a prospect, uh, Zion, Ja, Trey, Tatum, all the way down the list, Embiid, Simmons, all these guys, what happens three, four, five years into the project? The GM says, I got to go a different direction. This isn't working, right? And you start to see that these guys were really just a system built around them. Uh, and I I think all of like I, I think a Celtics Celtics have a big question next year. What are they doing? Right? Like what are they doing? Sixers Sixers are going to underperform in the playoffs. I have no doubt. What are they doing? Are they going to keep Simmons and Embiid together? Like after a while, you run out of time, and GMs want to break a project apart. Uh, so I could see that being I could see that happening in a lot of places. I don't see that happening with the Mavs. So also that angle. All right. So is there a specific play or are you just saying, you know, now is the time to potentially jump on Luca cards, whichever one your favorite is? I mean, I love the silver. I love the base and I love the select, uh, select what's called court level. The court Those side. are probably my three favorites, the court side. 
but but I'd say do your own research, right? Uh, it depends on how, how long you want to hold, how liquid you want. You know, if you have the funds to buy natural treasures, you know, I I, I don't buy natural treasures, but I'm yeah. curious. Like you have Zion and you have Luca. Are the natural treasures uh, prices balanced out? So like I, I would do your own research. I like the base, the silver, and the court side, and the base is under a thousand bucks right now. So if you just want to go that route, uh, there's nothing wrong with it at all. I like it. I definitely do. Listen, guys, I'm getting a lot of messages here. I, it might even be off camera for a second here because um, you know, because I'm getting messages like crazy. Um, but yeah, people, listen, I get great messages. I get, you know, Bill Chan just messaged me. You know, he's he's sitting on boxes of uh, of hoops premium uh, sealed. Should he be selling them now? But you know, they're, they're going down in price. And you know, I'm, uh, I'll answer any questions you guys got. I, I, old deal. But one of the messages that I got today is actually I'm going to turn it into my play, kind of backwards, right? So I'm not a huge hockey guy, and uh, look at this, a little Mother's Day here. A little, look, I've shown this once. They sent me over. Check it out. The Pastry family there. That's Carol and the mom. Happy <laughs> Mother's Day to the mom. They sent me over some hockey cards to open up with Ian. And I've been starting, starting to research on it. You guys know I gave Austin Matthews as a play, um, and um, you know his cards have obviously gone up. Um, and I uh, doing some research. Bottom ninth cards. The Pastry guys. You know they, they pointed me towards Conor McGregor. Um, not Conor McGregor. Connor McDavid, um, and I did research on it, and they, you know, they said, "Were you thinking has, of the Conor McGregor card that ended for well, like fifteen thousand in the prism that we were circulating?" Yeah, yes, that was crazy no, because I got cards over here, man. I got so many, so it's funny. I put that card down, and it, it was right next to Conor McGregor card, so that's why he's on my brain. I got literally, you know, UFC cards right over here too. Dude, so I like those. I like upper deck. I like upper deck uh, hockey cards a lot. I, I like so the, let me. The portrait, the young yeah, guns right? card is a yeah, beautiful young card. Young guns. So so here's what's funny, right? So 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 Connor McDavid, who is like he's like the Luca. Well, he came out in 15, right? So he obviously he's a little bit. He's been a little bit in the league a little bit more. It's a slightly shortened COVID shortened season, but they have played 53 games. Well, I can play another one now, but in 53 games is what it took for him to get 100 points. 100 points in 53 games. You know, that's goals and assists, right? So you're now talking about, like, legend territory. Um, I think the last people to do that were in the mid-'90s, uh, the Penguins, Yager and, uh, and Lemieux, you know, those guys. You ever heard of those guys? I mean, you don't have to be a huge hockey fan to, to, to remember those guys. Um, you're talking about, like, like, the elite players playing at an elite level. So, of course, the first thing I look at was the Young Guns. And I've noticed, you know, there's a wide range on it, but it's like $3,000 to $4,000 for a PSA 10, which is fine because that's the card everybody wants, right? And I would tell you there's probably still some room to buy that. But here's the flip side, right? Um, There's like 2,000 of those PSA 10s. So there's an upper deck, 2015 upper deck rookie card, card number one of Connor McDavid. In PSA 10. So it's another upper deck rookie. It's not his young guns rookie. Um, it's 2015 upper deck star rookies. So it's a star rookie card number one. And it's just as cool looking. It doesn't say young guns on it, but it's a similar, you know, similar kind of line, similar kind of look. It's a 2015 upper deck card, upper deck star rookies of him. And the last one I saw sold um, this week for $338. So approximately 10% of the price of the young guns. And with that, you would expect that the population would be significantly higher, right? Because, you know, if there's 2,000 young guns, PSA 10s, and how many of these are there, right? 500. So this is my play today. 
right? Because there are going to be people like me who want to get into investing in uh, Connor McDavid. People want to grab some of his cards, you know, get get some exposure to hockey and buy the guy that's out there um, without having to spend three or four thousand dollars for his card. Well, here you go, Upper Deck Star Rookies card number one, Connor McDavid. It's only 500, 500, 514, I think was the number of 500 of them on the pop report in PSA 10. And like I said, one sold this week for $338. I think that's got some real upside to it because as the star rookie continues to be in that range, even if it doesn't go up from where it is, three to $4,000, that's a tough entry point for people who might not be in hockey. Um, you know, that's like buying a Mike Trout rookie, you know, like that's, it's, it, that's rarefied air. Right. And maybe, maybe this guy deserves it. You know, maybe he does, but at the pop that it's at, it's tough for somebody who's not a huge hockey person to get in and buy that. But $338, that's an entirely different story for the same year, upper deck rookie, you know, of the same guy, just not the young guns. Obviously we talk about this all the time. There's supply and demand. Um, and clearly there's more demand for the Young Guns card, which is why the price has gone up. But um, this is one of those, like, buy the PSA 9, you know, because the 10 went up, and, you know, watch the rubber band effect, the snap. I mean, I started researching it, and right after I saw how much the Young Guns was, I just typed in, like, are there any other upper deck rookies of him? And this is the first one I found. And I have a feeling I'm not going to be the only person who does that. So there's the research behind the play. I think this one has sneaky potential to kind of sneak up. And it will never catch the young guns, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be a three or four thousand dollar card. If it goes from where it is now to seven hundred, you've doubled your money. So that's my play for He's today. A it's a hockey one. Yeah. He's a beast. He's really good. And your other your other play was uh, Austin, Matthews. Austin Matthews. And I believe yeah. you compared him to Russell Westbrook. You said he, he dresses like him. <laughs> Yeah, well, because he's a fancy, he's a fancy dresser, and you know Westbrook also. There are cards of both of them out there where they have like unique outfits on. So right. that was you were, no, I was agreeing with you, and you were spot yeah. on. You were spot on about Austin Matthews, and you're spot on about that play. Yeah, well, I think we're going to be right about this Connor McDavid one too. I mean, this is a guy who uh, he obviously is one of the young stars of hockey. People, it's a rabid fan base in hockey. Um, and as the one card everybody looks for kind of moves up and out of most people's price range, there usually is that fallback card, that second card that, you know, fills in the gap and why not the other upper deck card? I'm sure he's got a ton of cards guys. I'm sure he's got a ton of cards in 2015, but to me, when you do the population report, you know, cross section on this one, I mean, uh, let me just 2015 upper deck star rookies card. Number one, Connor and McDavid 510 total PSA tens on that one. So, you know, make sure I give you the right one. That's not a huge amount for somebody like that. It's card number one. You know, I think oh, I think Ken Griffey Jr., you know, but that card number one, I think that type of, you know, that type of play. So um, we don't give hockey often here. So thanks to bottom ninth cards, uh, we're giving that play on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. It took us 27 minutes to uh, to get that out there, right? Well, Mother's Day. Should, yeah. we keep this, should we keep this short? This way people are not talking to us and ignoring their moms and wives on Mother's Day? I, I think that would be I think that'd be a smart decision. That's our gift to you. To all the moms who might be listening to this, we thank you for listening to that. And we thank you for allowing your, uh, your, your significant others to listen to this as well. Happy Mother's Day to you all. And to all the moms in your lives.